0: This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. So we are in our final week of our Advent series that we're calling, Do You See What I See? And we've gone through the different Advent themes over the past three weeks. Today is our fourth week, uh, final installment of the series. And we've looked at these different Advent themes. We started off talking about peace. And uh, we, we had one of our friends, Corinne Jones, come up and share part of her story with us about peace. And we really focused in on this concept of shalom. That in the scriptures, the words that are used for peace are, are, carry this nuance, this, this idea of shalom. Which is this idea of completeness and wholeness. And so when Jesus comes and says that you know, he brings peace, he brings this completeness to us. And so we talked all about that. And then in, in week two, we focused on hope. And we had uh, Rachel Flanagan came and shared uh, some of her story with us and how she has had an intersection with Jesus and how at that intersection she has found hope through that. And we talked about how um, God's past faithfulness encourages and informs and motivates our future hope. And so we talked all about that. And then last week, uh, we had my buddy James uh, Schofield come up here, and he shared about joy and how at the intersection of him and Jesus, he found this new joy inside of him. And we define joy as this awareness of God's favor and grace and how it's this deep, abiding, continuous, inner rejoicing, not not dictated by circumstances. That's happiness. But joy is something deeper, like the song says, found deep in my heart soul. And so we've, we've trekked through all these different Advent themes together. And so today, um, you know, Christmas is in two days. And so today we're going to wrap this thing up by talking about love. And I've invited my friend Bianca uh, Turner to come up and share with us. And uh, I saw her actually go to the bathroom during worship. And I was like, I ran out in the lobby and caught her. I was like, you're not bailing on me, right? She's like, no, no, I'll be right back. I was like, okay, all right, good. Just, just, making sure. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to talk in just a few minutes, but I do want to invite you guys really quick uh, to our Christmas Eve service that is uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock in here. Um, there is no child care for that service, and so that's a bring your family in. It's a candlelight service. It'll be predominantly singing, and we'll read through the nativity story. It'll be just for your family plan, the type A personalities out there. It'll be between 35 and 45 minutes so you can plan the rest of your evening accordingly. But um, we would love for you to make it part of your family tradition uh, just to kind of focus on the Nativity, focus on Jesus uh, on Christmas Eve. And so we'll be here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock and I want to invite you to that. Um, So today, yeah, we're talking about love. And so love is an interesting word in the English language. You see, in in, in other languages, even in in biblical language, uh, there's a lot of different words for different types of love right? And there's a lot of different nuances to these different words, and they carry different meanings and different contexts and different things. Well, in the English language, we're pretty much stuck with, like, love, right? And so, like, I love my wife and my kids and my family. And we went to uh, uh, Frankenmuth for the first time yesterday. I've lived here my entire life and never been to Frankenmuth. I've been to Birch Run 50 times, so you can tell where my priorities are. I had no idea. I had no idea that they were, like, Two minutes from each other. No clue, right? It's incredible. So we went to Frank. I mean, I love that. I had fun with my family. It was great. I love, love, love my family. But I also love, love, love pizza and Verners. Like, love it, right? Love it with all of my heart. But I love my family with all of my heart. And so that's a weird kind of concept to hold true. I love shoes as well. I mean, you wouldn't tell by my dad's shoes selection today. But I love shoes, and I love my wife, and I love pizza, and I love Verner's, and I love all the donuts. I mean, can I get an amen on that? Amen. amen. And so we. <laughs> it's sad that that's like the loudest amen I've ever gotten, at this church. That's telling. That's telling of a few things. Um, <laughs> but the the <laughs> you're like amen. I got people running the aisles for donuts. Um, it's crazy. But lo- love in the English language is an interesting thing. And but the, today the love that we're talking about is is bigger than than all of those things the, the the love that we're talking about today is this larger love it's this deeper love it's this this almost what i want to call a cosmic love this love that supersedes our even understanding it supersedes what we can even wrap our heads Around. It's, it's the love of God. And so I want to talk about that this morning. But first, I want to invite my friend Bianca up here to share her story. So if you guys want to check out this lead-in video uh, really quick, and then Bianca's going to come up and share with us.
1: Hi, my name is Bianca. I have been a Christ follower for 19 years. I've been coming to Central for two and a half years. It's amazing how you can be surrounded by love your whole life and not know it until you realize the love that your Father in Heaven has for you, and then you can see the love that's been all around you this whole time. It hasn't always been easy, but when I see Jesus, I see love. Do you see what I see?
0: So, Bianca has a super cool, well, cool, that's a weird adjective to use. She has a very powerful story. I think that's a better adjective. Um, And so, I want you to share... With us sort of your origin story, you know, birth to age 12. Like, tell us, you know, you came into this world in interesting circumstances, and, and it just went from there. So sh- share with us. Now, in preparation, uh, we do email correspondence back and forth and stuff, and she said she was weeping the whole time. There's no way she's going to get through this with crying, but that's okay, right? It's okay, okay. See, it's okay. It's good. With me. It's good. <laughs> It'll be good.
1: All right, so I was born in Brazil, for those who don't know. Um, I was born to a very young man and woman, my father and my birth mother. Um, They didn't really know each other, so it was a really weird circumstance. Um, And I lived with my mother until I was five years old. My father financially cared for me, and when I was about five, he realized that I wasn't being taken care of, so he told her that either she'd have to take care of me by herself or um, give me over to him so that he could care for me by that time she had about 3 kids. So, she was definitely stretching her um, resources mm-hmm. rather thin, um, and she ended up deciding to give me to my father. So my story is really long, so I'm going to try to shorten it and like make it. You're good. You're good. <laughs> so smaller. so you're saying from birth <laughs>
0: birth birth to 5 you were with your mom yep. and your dad's involvement was m- primarily financially.
1: Primarily financially. Yeah, he would come around at like Christmas time and okay. I wouldn't really see him as much. And then
0: at age five, it's like now it flips and now you're going with him. Right. That's the idea.
1: Right. That's the idea. So I moved in with my father and he lived with my grandparents, um, his parents. But at the same time, my father had just applied for a citizenship to Canada. So he was in the process of getting his paperwork. So when I moved in with him a couple months later, he ended up getting his citizenship to Canada. So he moved to Canada and I stayed back home with my grandparents back um, home in brazil in Brazil, yeah
0: okay so you were with your mom in brazil till five then you're with your dad and grandparents for a few months then your dad dips out to canada now you're with your grandparents in brazil in brazil which your grandparents you don't rarely know at I this point or yes or no uh,
1: some i would sometimes go and my grandfather used to visit me and my mom's too so i okay. kind of knew my grandpa some okay, okay. um my strongest uh, connection was with my grandfather okay So I stay in Brazil for three years, and my grandmother ends up having a stroke and passing away. So this was about, I was about eight years old. And meanwhile, during those three years, my father, who had a girlfriend for a long time, ended up getting married in Canada. Um, So they were living in Canada at the time, and they would come back and visit every so often, but I was with my grandparents. So when my grandmother passed away, my, um, I call her my mom, She came back to Brazil and she decided that it was better for me to move with them to Canada instead of staying with My grandfather by himself. Right, right, right. So that's what I did. I moved to a um, new country.
0: New country. New family. New language. New language. Yeah.
1: New weather. Had never (laughs) seen snow before. (laughs) Right, so Brazil to Canada. Okay. Brazil to Canada. That's that's subtle. Yeah, Uh, yeah.
0: Subtle transition.
1: So it was all new. Everything and
0: you're eight, years, you're eight years old at this point.
1: I'm eight years old, okay. yep. So I end up learning the language, but my father refused to speak in Portuguese with me because he wanted to make sure I would learn English. Yeah. So I only spoke in English. Um, I love the snow probably because my father would take me to do everything outside. Yeah. Went snowing or sledding, went skiing, did everything okay. in the snow. So I love it now. Um, but yeah, I lived and I was, I was, I was not an easy child. Um, the whole change was was not easy. Yeah. Um, my grandfather didn't make it easy when I left because I have vivid images of him standing at the gate at the house and just screaming and crying and begging her not to take me. So yeah. that was rough. Um, but, yeah, so we lived there until I was about 12 years old. We lived in Canada. And then my grandfather ended up passing away. So we had to move back to Brazil.
0: <laughs> Guys, this is not like – well I went from Madison Heights to St. Clair Shores back to Madison Heights. Okay. <laughs> There's like the entire United States in between where she's moving <laughs> here, right? Like this is yeah. this is crazy.
1: Yeah, different cultures, different language, yeah, different different everything. Everything. It yeah. was completely different. And while we were in Canada, we actually moved every year. So nice. every year we were in a different place. Yeah. Um I was used to moving I'm a sure. lot. Yeah. <laughs> so we moved back to Brazil when I was twelve and we were living there and my mom started talking about this little church she used to go to. In Brazil, so I became interested in, in learning about her roots, and um, I started going there.
0: Now, did did they go there with you, or was it just you going, or how did that go down? No, it was just
1: me. I could actually walk to it, so every Sunday morning I would just walk to it by myself. She didn't. She had a, um, yeah. she's just no one ever did. It was just me. (laughs) Just
0: you. And you were how old? Like 11, 12? I was about
1: 12 12 at the time I started going. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you're going to this Catholic church, you know, sitting there in Brazil at age what 12 13 14 12 13 yeah something like that and something happens and you're just like
1: what well no not yet not yet okay go <laughs> what's,
0: what what well when that? i
1: am there i started learning i had never i had never actually heard of jesus until then okay. my father was never a god person whatsoever yeah. so i had never really heard of the story of jesus at all yeah so when i started going to church i understood Who he was and what was happening. And then I went through all the sacraments of the Catholic Church. So I got baptized when I was 14. Mm -hmm. um, And then I did communion and all the other stuff that goes with it. Yep. So I understood it. I knew what it was about and I understood the concept of it. Um, And then when I was about 14, one of my dad's close friends ended up telling him that he had everything. in his life, we were financially stable, and we had yeah. everything that he could need, but he was missing one thing, and that was Jesus, and that struck my dad because this guy was someone he looked up to a yeah. lot, Yeah. so he, um, he decided to start looking and finding out what it was about. My dad is very analytical, so he would read books and, yeah, like, yeah, understand yeah. things, yeah. but when he actually realized it, his life, like, changed completely. He was a whole nother person, like, mm-hmm. completely different person. Yeah. Um, and my mom had been with him the entire time, and she was just, she was really loving throughout the whole yeah. before and after process of yeah. it, yeah. and yeah. to me, because I was, There's I was, something else. I was a nightmare. <laughs> 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 she put up with me yeah. for, <laughs> yeah. all yeah. through it, even yeah. after I used to go to church and everything, I was still yeah. quite a nightmare.
0: Okay. Alright, so you're sitting in church, age 14, what happens? You hear a verse, and it Rocks your world, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we actually moved to to here by then. Oh. Yeah, okay. We. <laughs> I'm telling
0: you guys. We've been talking all week, and I can't even keep this thing straight. I don't even I know, know how she keeps this thing straight.
1: There's a lot of parts to it. So yeah. we moved around a lot. So we okay. were in Brazil still, and then we ended up moving here to the U.S. when I was 16. Okay. Um. And when I was – we went, started going to a Baptist church in okay. Farmington Hills when oh. we moved here. Okay. And I was sitting in one of the pews, and – um this pastor started talking about Psalm 139, Mm -hmm. 13 through 17. And he was just talking about God's love for us no matter our circumstances because my circumstances were not – it wasn't like I was brought into a family that – I wasn't brought into a family. I didn't have a family. It was one person and another person. It was all – it was never like a full thing. So – and even though – I had my mom and my dad, it wasn't, it just wasn't the same. I never felt part of a family. Yeah. And he was talking about how s- no matter what, God knew you. Like, he knew you when you are being made. He knew you when you are inside. Yeah. Like, your, ma- <laughs> yeah. your mother's womb. So it was just that, like, unconditional love that comes before you even know it. Yeah.
0: And we have that verse on a slide um, up here, the Psalm 139 deal. And it says... To him who divided the Red Sea, a son... Wait, what? Is this it? Yeah, his love endures forever and brought Israel through the midst of it. Wait, that's not it. No, it's 139. That's No, it's 139, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading this. I'm going, yeah, this is it. No, this is definitely not it. No. No, it doesn't have anything to do with Pharaoh.
1: I have it. Um, you want me to pull it?
0: Do you? Yeah, you pull it up. Pharaoh ain't got nothing to do with this business. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I know we're talking all these different countries, but Egypt ain't one of them. So... <laughs>
1: Not today. <laughs> Not today.
0: <laughs> 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 I'm like part in the Red Sea. Okay. Oh, sorry. Hold on.
1: It's here. Hold
0: on. She's got it in the Bible. I got out. it. I want you got to it. read it because I want people to have in their for in their head what you heard and envisioning sort of, you know, this 14, 15, 16-year-old girl coming from the story and the journey that you're coming from and then hearing this verse, what it must have, All right, you're like, have it, I'm like, meant. I can't, I can't grab it. Okay. What is it? Psalm 139? <laughs> yeah. This is not an Apple product, so I'm lost here. It
1: is an Apple product.
0: Oh, it's just newer (laughs) than mine. It's above my pay grade, I see. Um, What verses are we talking for? 13. 13, got you. 13, it says, oh, it's even highlighted. Nice! It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God, how vast the sum of them. And so you hear that Mm -hmm. and you're like, whoa, he knows me. It was,
1: yeah, it was life changing. Honestly, it was like this moment of just surpassing love that just it literally took over my my mind and my brain and my yeah. heart and it was like my heart was softened cuz i was yeah. i was i was not good. I was mean to yeah. my mom. I was mean yeah. to my dad. I was not good. And it just it just changed my way of seeing things a little bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> cuz right. it was a process, but yeah. it changed it a little bit.
0: So so then okay, what was it like? How did your life and your perspective and your worldview shift after that? How did things change for you because before you're you're this this broken Little girl who is probably having feelings of can anyone even love me the way that these people are talking about? Can I feel that? Can I experience that? Is that a reality for me? Right. And then you hear this verse that says, Yo, God loves you yeah. like all the ways that you're looking for and don't feel like how did things shift after that revelation? After that, like,
1: whoa. Yeah, it was definitely it was it was a slow process. Like I look back at it and I see my dad's and his was such a huge transformation. I'm talking like in a week he was he was one person, and then the next week he was something completely different. Like yeah. completely different. And that's why I think I was raised completely different than my sisters. I have three younger sisters, and yeah. they were both raised in the same family. But, but were they were
0: raised with dad part B. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so it's like yeah, a so whole other, awesome, yeah. it's just
1: like a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um but mine was slower than that, and I remember, I think one of the next big steps after that was when I was 18, I I was reading my Bible in my bedroom, and I felt this, like, need to forgive my mom, and I, I couldn't even explain Your why. My birth mom? My birth, mom. birth mom. Yeah, okay. my birth mom. Yeah. Um. So I went downstairs, and my mom and my dad were downstairs, and I was like, I need to forgive my mom and I don't even know how to, like, how to do it. And yeah. my dad started crying and my mom started crying yeah. and we're all crying and we're sitting um, in the living room and then we just said a prayer and it was like a weight just lifted off my shoulders because it was just that moment of forgiving of everything, like, yeah. I f- of being rejected. Just yeah. being able to forgive that was, was big. And I cry now because, like, It's a bad thing, but it's just because it's the reality of it that just hits me, and it's, like, that I was able to see that. Yeah. But only because I felt that love that Christ put in my heart. Like, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be able to even see that. Yeah. It would be that, like, hatred or, like, you know, that, like, Mm -hmm. anger towards the whole situation and them, but there was just more to it only because of that.
0: Yeah. Which is incredible. I mean, the, the first miracle of that story is that you were 18 and reading your Bible. That's a miracle. <laughs> I mean, where's ri- Rich? is in Switch. He would give me an amen on that. But that's, no, that's, that's incredible. And you have this experience. And so then, like you said, it wasn't instantaneous. It's a journey. Yeah, and yeah. and that's, that's great because that's so true for so many. It's a process and it's a journey. But, um, and you know, experiencing God's love and God's plan and all this stuff is not a one-time occurrence. It's a, it's a process. And we experience time and time again in our life. So tell me, fast forward, uh, you meet your knight in shining armor, Jonathan, yeah. uh, who we affectionately call Coach, <laughs> and um, and then you know you have Brianna, and then comes you you get pregnant again, and yep. you have this this beautiful baby boy on the way, and then you get some news. How did you how did this sort of impact going through this situation with Nathan and his whole process? Like, how did this sort of set you up for that?
1: Yeah. So when we found out we were pregnant with Nathan, it was like when we were pregnant with Brian, it was all fine until we had our 19-week ultrasound. And we walked in We walked in together after dinner. And I get my facts wrong, so John will be shaking or <laughs> nodding his head at some point. <laughs> but we walked in after having dinner, and we got our ultrasound. And the lady goes, well, baby is really active right now, so we can't get correct measurements and, and all this stuff, so you're going to have to come back and redo it. And I had just had dessert. Yeah, so you're cheesecake. like, oh, okay, so yeah, like, that yeah. makes sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was Nathan, I mean, if yeah. you've met Nathan, he does not sit still, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, he's wild, <laughs> it's yeah. It's likely it was him. Yeah. But, so I come, I go back the next day without John, because it was just. Because it's no big deal. Yeah. You were eating, s- it's
0: whatever, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I go back in, and this lady is, like, taking forever, and she's, like, trying to look at things, and then she calls a second person in the room, and they're going through it, and and yeah. then another person comes in the room, and they're all, like blank face, just staring at the screen and trying to get things. So you know that something is wrong. Yeah, but they yeah. won't tell you. Like they yeah. won't say a word. So they're go, Okay, well you're gonna have to wait for a phone call from your OB. And I'm like, wait, you can't tell me anything like, of what uh, just happened? No. <laughs> <laughs> <Get to laughs> and then out. yeah. And she's like, No, we can't we can't tell you anything. We need to do more testing and we can't tell you anything. So I walk out of there, and I am, like, bawling because I know that there's something seriously wrong. So I call John, and I'm like, there's something wrong. They won't tell me what it is. I don't know what the heck is going on. So he ends up leaving work and coming home and calls the doctor. And he actually corrected me on this yesterday because I thought it was the same day, but it was the next day. We ended up going in and seeing the neonatal doctor, and we sat in this tiny little cold, dark, horrible little cubicle room and this man who we don't know he's not our doctor he just starts like listing things that are wrong with 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 me and the baby like there's just I have um my umbilical cord is down one vessel so baby's not getting enough oxygen um baby has clear facial deformities he was born with a cleft lip but then he went on to say that there were other things, like he was going to be born with, um, it's called Pierre Robin, where his jaw is recessed. So when he's born there, a lot of times they can't breathe. So there's that whole yeah. thing in it. And it was just, it was overwhelming amount of information of things that are just not going to be good. And yeah. then he went on to say we had options and, and other things that we could do. And So they give you a laundry there. list of
0: everything that's going to be wrong. It's not gonna be good. It's not gonna work out. Give you the option. They're saying you should probably terminate because yeah. it is not the best thing and all this stuff. So you're walking out of there going, Yeah. I,
1: what? I was I I was broken completely and yeah. John didn't show it, but he was too. Oh for sure. But he was just strong throughout the whole thing. And yeah. and then I went back to that verse where it talks about how
0: You've God. been woven yes. in your mother's
1: womb, and God yeah. knows you, and he's He's doing that work. No matter how different you might be, it's still, it yeah. was still his work. So yeah. we carry on, and we have all kinds of tests. We had amnio tests. We have echocardiograms, and we just prayed throughout it, and we carried on in our pregnancy and yeah. uh, went through it. But that verse kept me strong and yeah, with John too, yeah,
0: <laughs> but it carried you through. And then you have Nathan, who's just like this adorable fireball, yeah, full of energy.
1: Well, yeah, they were saying that he was probably going to be born with mental disabilities yeah. and that Pierre Robin thing where he just wouldn't be able to breathe. Yeah, and yeah, All he kinds was, of stuff. T- I mean, it's not just, but he was just born with the cleft lip and cleft palate, which yeah. surgeries have fixed it. And yeah. he has more surgeries, but but that was, here. He's and here. He's sweet, and he's the cutest <laughs> little thing ever. So yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> incredible. That's incredible.
0: Um, okay, so in the lead-in video, it said, "You know, when I see Jesus, I see love. Do you see what I see? Can you explain what that means to
1: you?" So while I was growing up, I did not see it. My my mom, um, she was there because she was dating my dad before I was born. Okay. And so she was part of my life, and I didn't know this until I was older too, but. She was part of my life before I even realized it. Um, she'll tell stories of like when she used to come visit. I would take her shoes and throw them outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just didn't like her being yeah. around. Mean <laughs> it, lady. Yeah. yeah, that's like me at three. Yeah, yeah so right, right. I was I was mean to her, yeah. and she was always there. And she taught me, she taught me unconditional love. Looking back at it, it's just a whole, it's it's completely different, but. Ask me the question again, because I when just lost sh- my train of thought.
0: <laughs> uh, you said, "When when I see Jesus, I see love." What does that mean to you? What do you mean when you say, "When I see Jesus, I see love"? <laughs> in the email, in the email you you wrote me, and you were like, you said that um, you said that when you experienced Jesus, it opened your eyes
1: to to love to a whole new yeah to forgiveness it was, to the whole deal. It was it was because, like I said before, I couldn't I couldn't see it and I could not feel it. Even though I was loved, there was love around me. I couldn't I could not feel it. It just wasn't it wasn't something that was real to me. It just didn't and it was there. Like my mom was there, yeah. my dad was there, and they were there. And it, it was it was a rough beginning to it all. Yeah. But it was there. But until that like light shone through and I was able to understand and feel I still don't understand it, but just feel his love. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I couldn't I couldn't feel it but it was always there yeah no, that's, was there beautiful. that's beautiful will you guys join me
0: in thanking Bianca um, for sharing her story <laughs> with us today that's super cool that's super cool so um, what I want to do today is talk about this love just a little bit just for a few more minutes um, I won't take up too much of your time but um, I want to start in 1st John chapter 4 verse 7 through 11 so if you have your Bible you can turn there otherwise It'll be up on the screen, but it says this. It says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent one, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, dear friends. Since God lo- so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's a whole lot of love going on there, right? A whole lot of love in, in that passage. But essentially, it says this. It's it's kind of cyclical. It's sort of this this process. It says love one another, and then it says love comes from God, and then it says God is love, and God loves us, so love one another. Right? That's kind of the, the, the circle that's that's laid out in this verse. Love one another, love comes from God. God is love. God loves us, so we should love one another. And so our posture as a Christ follower should be love. Our position as a Christ follower should be love. Our action as a Christ follower should be love our response as a Christ follower should be love. Our language, our attitude, our perspective as a Christ follower should be love. You know, we do love at the end of Advent, at the end of this series, leading up to Christmas, because this is the main thing. This is like the big idea. This is the big picture. And in First John chapter 4, verse 7 through 11 that we just read, I feel like it kind of goes through a whole gambit of how we should respond to that, how we should interact with that. It says, love one another. Guys, when it says love one another, it's not just those who look like you. When it says love one another, it's not just those who think like you, or who dress like you, or who act like you, or who believe like you, or who even live like you. It doesn't say love people that are just like you. It says love one another. There's no specification there. And it says love comes from God. God is our ultimate example of love. Bianca said she couldn't recognize or experience love until she experienced love, uh, the love of God. God is the initiator of love. God is the creator of love. It says God is love. If you're trying to understand God, listen, God's very essence, God's very existence is love. His every function is love. God is love. And so if you have a a, a version of God that is not love, it's the wrong version. If someone has taught you a version of God that is not love, they've taught you the wrong version. Because God is love love, and God loves us. God proactively extends himself to us. He proactively lays out a a relationship for us. He initiates relationship with us. He includes us in his love. God is love, and he reaches out to us and says, hey, let's do this together. Let me share this with you. And so then this pastor says, so we should also love one another. Not only should we receive the love of God, that he shares with us, we should also reflect it to others. It's not just a receive, receive, receive. It's a receive and reflect. We're called to involve others in the love of God that he has shared with us. That's essentially what this passage is saying. And so Jesus shows up and he shatters paradigms. He shows up and and changes absolutely everything. Because, see, God is the source of this cosmic love, right? This unconditional love, this love that supersedes our understanding, the love that, that, that hit Bianca right between the eyes as a 14-year-old sitting in some Baptist church. This love that she was just like, Whoa, what? God, God is that. He's the source of that, more than we can even fathom. And so when Jesus comes in the nativity, you know, and we, we celebrate sweet baby Jesus on Christmas, when all that happens, when Jesus shows up, That love, that cosmic love that supersedes our understanding is brought to humanity. That cosmic love puts on flesh and becomes part of the human story. The incarnation, which means God putting on flesh, the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, that includes humanity in God's cosmic love. That includes us in the love story that God is telling and so in this passage, it says, love one another. Love comes from God. God is love. God loves us. Love one another. And for some reason, we, get it, we still get it twisted. For some reason, we still get it flipped upside down. For some reason, we still miss the point to love. We still miss it. I don't know how, but we do. Many of you have heard uh, the passage in First Corinthians chapter 13, right? If you've been to a wedding, I'm pretty sure you've heard this passage. It's the love passage, and we use it for marriage all the time. But First Corinthians. Uh, chapter 13, verse 1 says this. It says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Nothing. Guys, if I can do all the religious stuff but can't love, it's all crap. If I can be the super Christian and I can talk all the Christian language, but I don't love people, it's just noise. Like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And then he goes on in verse verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Yet we get it so twisted. We get it so backwards time and time again. It says, if you speak in tongues of men and of angels... I saw a meme the other day on the internet that says, nobody cares that you can speak in tongues if you're a jerk in your own language. I mean, that's the reality. That's what this is saying. Speak in tongues of men and angels if, if you can prophesy and have faith. In a, I don't care if you had a great prophecy meeting at your church and then you're a jerk to the electrician that comes and changes your light bulbs. It doesn't matter. I have faith to move mountains, but I'm an a-hole to everybody else. Nobody cares. Right? I mean, that, that's the reality of it. I have knowledge. I can win every Facebook argument and debate because I know everything about the Bible. Hallelujah. And you leave $0 tip at lunch after church on a Sunday, you're a jerk. It's a clanging cymbal. It's a resounding gong. Does, and, and here's, It says this too. If you're generous and selfless, even if you're doing the right... These are all good things. It's not wrong to do these things. It's not wrong to be a part of these things. But if you're doing these things and you don't have love it's meaningless it's garbage it means nothing it's like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal it's noise doesn't matter how generous you were it doesn't matter how selfless you were if you don't have love you're missing the whole thing you're missing it all you're missing it all and it says that love is patient love is kind it doesn't envy it doesn't boast It's not proud, it's not self-seeking, it's not rude, it's not easily angered, doesn't keep score, doesn't celebrate or delight in evil. It always trusts, protects, hopes, and perseveres. Yet we get so caught up in religion and doing church... We get so caught up in the, 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 the bullcrap of Christianity. We get so caught up in the, the Facebook arguments and debates about this doctrine or that. We get so caught up in doctrine. We get so caught up in church politics. We get so caught up in these open-handed issues, and we stake our claim and say, this is the way it is. Everyone else is going to hell if they don't believe just like me. We get so caught up in that that we miss the whole point. We miss the whole point. God is Love. Love one another. God loves us. He's extended that to us. We need to receive that and reflect that. And we use all these other things as measuring sticks. We use all these other things as justifications to see how we're holy Christians or we're holy Christ followers. But guys, that's not it. That's not it. Love is everything. Love is the thing. God is Love. There's this guy, Greg Boyd, who um, writes books that make your face melt. And um, he's this theologian guy. And I I wanted to quote him this morning because I I think what he said, I can't say it better than him. And he says this. He says, I I think they put it up on the screen unless they picked a different book like they did earlier. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure what they got going on. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We appreciate all of our volunteers. Thank you so much. Um, Otherwise, I'd be from my phone being like, this thing ain't working. Um, It says this. Christians sometimes try to assess how they or others are doing on the basis of such things as how successfully they conquer a particular sin, how much prayer and Bible study they do, how regularly they attend church and give to the church, and so forth. But rarely do we honestly ask the question that Scripture places at the center of everything. Check this out. Are we growing in our capacity to love all people? We're consistently measuring ourselves with, ooh, did I go to church? Ooh, did I give my tithes? Ooh, did I serve in the kids' ministry? Ooh, did I conquer that sin? Ooh, how many bad things did I say or do this week? And he says, we need to assess ourselves with, are we growing in our capacity to love all people? Do we have an increasing love for our sisters and brothers in Christ, as well as for those whom Christ died, who are yet outside the church? Are we increasing in our capacity to ascribe unsurpassable worth to people whom society judges to have no worth. That's huge. That's huge. Especially in our country, the American church. How many people you got going to your church? How many people were there Sunday? How awesome was the worship set? How great were the songs? How good were the singers? How tight was everybody's pants on stage? Were they tight enough? Okay, cool, then we're good. I mean, really, really, I'm serious. Never do we ask the question, are we growing in our capacity to love all people? Are we a group of people that love more than anybody else? Are we a people that care for people more than anybody else? Because that's the heart of the issue. That's what it's about. That's why Jesus came to the earth. That's what this whole Christmas thing is about. And so is that us? Are we people that are defined by our love? Are we people that measure our success in love? Do we live in love? Is that you? Are you defined by love? Is love the first thing that comes to mind when people think about you? Or do they think, ooh, that's a prophetess, man. She can prophesy, hallelujah. But man, is she mean. What? That's, that, what? doesn't even make sense. When people think of you, do you think, man, that's a really loving person? I want to love like that person loves. I want to care like that person cares. I want to serve like that person serves. I want to be like that. Because the reality is that's God's design for creation. That's God's design for humanity. It was introduced through a baby in a manger, right? This is the introduction of love. When Jesus is born, that's the introduction of this cosmic love putting on flesh and becoming man. It's the introduction for us. And then it's exemplified through the Gospels, through the life of Jesus. If you're looking in your Bible, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read those stories because that's the life of Jesus. That's where this love is exemplified. And then it's made available to us through the death and resurrection that we celebrate on Easter. It's introduced in the manger. It's exemplified in the Gospels. And then it's it's made available to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But God's design for us is God's design for us is love. And so as the band comes up and we prepare to close, they're going to lead us in another song where we can sort of respond and sort of wrap our heads around all of this. I want us to ponder on two things. I want us to do some evaluation, some self-evaluation on two things. The, the, The first thing, man, my computer keeps jumping on me. The first thing is God's love for us. And then the second thing is our love for others. So first, God's love for us. Listen, even if we don't recognize it at times, like the story that Bianca shared, even if we don't recognize it, guys, God loves us. Even if you don't feel it, and you don't see it, and you don't recognize it, God loves you. God loves you every single person in here, myself included. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't know it, God loves you. You see, Christ's incarnation, the the birth of Jesus, that's a proactive inclusion into the cosmic love of God. That's God saying, I'm coming for you, and I want you to be part of this. It's like he's sweeping his hands out saying, I want you to be part of this love that I got going on. Let's do this. That's what Jesus being born in a manger, coming to this earth, that's what's happening. God's saying, come on guys, come on in, let's bring it in, let's bring it in. It's a proactive inclusion of us into the cosmic love of God. And so maybe you're in a season right now that you don't feel God's love. Maybe you're in a season that you're not aware of God's love, or maybe you've never received God's love, you've never been like, yeah dude, let's do this, right? Right? Maybe you've never had that conversation. Maybe you've never uh, had it explained to you in a way that you understood. But maybe you've never received God's love. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to encourage you that God loves you and God wants to include you in his love story. Not a romantic love story like, Ugh, that's kind of weird. They, I know they sing that song with sloppy wet kiss. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about God's cosmic love. He wants you to feel the love that Bianca felt for the first time and was like, What? never experienced that. He wants to pour his love out on you. He wants you to experience that. And it's so simple. It's a conversation saying, God, you know what's going on. Let's do this. Let's do this. It, it's a process that works itself out for a lifetime. I'm still working it out. Many of the people, everybody in this room is still working it out. Nobody's arrived. But to start that relationship is so simple. Like, God, I accept accept the sacrifice you made for me, I accept you. I I want in. Let me get in on that cosmic love thing that dude's talking about. I love cosmic brownies. Cosmic love has to be way better. Right? Let me in. I'm in. It's a simple conversation, but it's a process and a journey, and that's where your faith community comes in. The second thing I want you guys to think about, ponder, reflect on is our love for others. Because God doesn't only call us to receive also calls us to reflect His love to everyone without discrimination, without distinction. It's ascribing unsurpassable worth to everyone because that's how God views them as well. Do you hear that? Everyone. Even those people in your head, you're thinking, yeah, everyone but that person. No, even that person. Everyone. That's how God views them. That's how we're called to unsurpassable amount of love and worth. We're called to do the same. And so maybe you're in here and you're thinking, man, I'm doing all the right things, but yeah, I, I think I might be missing love. And it is like a clanging symbol. I mean, it really is. It's, it's crazy. So like you got this musical thing going on, you got all this beauty and you're like, yeah man, I'm going to serve Jesus, I'm going to go to church, all this stuff, but you're not loving? That's horrible. Right? Davey's like, dude, stop. I'm making beautiful melodies here. I'm like, what? I can't. I broke it. What? I can't hear you. Oh, but I'm a prophet. I can serve Jesus. Oh, I'm so good at church. We have such a good worship service. You should come. To... Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody. That's what you. It's noise. Right? I mean, it's funny. And I'm sorry, Simcoe. You'll have to fix it. It doesn't matter. It's mine anyway. Listen. Not because of the pastor it's literally my drum set that's, that's why I said that It may came off a little strange there <laughs> but that's what it sounds like when you're doing all this stuff and bragging about your church stuff and your worship stuff and, you're, and they're like yeah I hear that but you're a jerk so you know so maybe many of us we've been going through the motions doing all this stuff but we're not loving people maybe we need to kind of reflect we need to shift we need to make a change Maybe you're in here, you haven't been able to love others because you haven't experienced the love of God yourself. So I want to encourage you this morning to receive that and to reflect that. I want to encourage you to measure your success as a Christ follower, to measure your following of Jesus, to measure that by love and your ability to grow in love and to ascribe worth to all people. So the band's going to play. Some of us in here this morning, we need to spend some time just opening ourselves up to accept the love of God, to receive the love of God. Some of us, we need to spend this time learning how to reflect the love of God. Say, God, show me the people that I need to love. Show me the people that I need a change of heart for. And he's going to say, everybody, everybody, that's the people. Maybe you need to do business with God in that way. But here's the deal. I want all of us to do a self-evaluation this morning. I want all of us to be introspective and say, God, what can you do with me? How can you grow me? Because it's not have I loved enough. That's not the question. I did enough loving today. No, no, no. The question becomes can I love more? And the answer is always yes. Always. Always. And so we need to continually grow in that. So let's pray together. God,